Hello, Family Twisters. Season 5 has arrived with an episode that's a bit like unraveling a mystery novel, except it's all real. Imagine thinking you know your story, only to find a hidden chapter that changes everything you thought you knew about yourself. And that's what happened to Janine. But uh, thank you so much for uh, writing Hello, Sweet Baby. Thank you for reading it, and thank you for asking me to talk to you all about it. Yeah. So before we get into the book, and I definitely want to talk about it because I just reread it today and it's a beautiful story, um, but can we talk about your adoption journey and discovery first? Absolutely. So 2017, my father passed away in January Mm. and uh, the middle brother and I, uh, my brother Jermaine and I decided we wanted to build a family tree. We'd been working on it for a couple of years, but we decided after the passing of my father, we wanted to do a deeper dive because we missed him terribly. And so we got our whole family involved and we were finding all kinds of wonderful family members. And then later that year, December of that year, my brother was gifted a DNA test and he decided to take it and we found even more family members. And then I got excited and I said, why don't I buy it, you know, and see, you know, unlock some mysteries. And, um, and actually when I took the test and it came back, it came back inconclusive. Hmm. And so I, yeah, I said, what is going on? <laughs> it was on sale. So I said, oh, you know what? That's why it was on sale. They probably have some bad tests. <laughs> you got the generic version or something. Generic one. I got the one that's been in the warehouse, you know, 30 for 30 years. And so I put it on, uh, they sent me another one and I put it on the shelf and I just waited. I said, you know what? It's not that important to me anyway. And then um, I looked and I said, well, what if this one expires? This was a couple months later. And I said, let me just take this and get it out of the way. And this time, the first time the results, it took about two and a half months. The second time, it took about three weeks. And when Mm. the results came back, um, I started noticing some genetics that uh, the numbers were pretty high, such as like Ashkenazi Jew. And I'm thinking, what is this? And I don't even know what an Ashkenazi Jew is. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing that it was connecting me to different people that kind of look like me, but I wasn't familiar with them. And that and then very, very long story short, um, I found out that I was adopted in 24 hours. And so, yes, yes. And, you know, unfortunately, not through... Um, my mother, who is still living, but through one of the family members that I was connected to, reached out to me later that day and basically told me, I thought it was, I thought it was part of some type of scam connected right. probably to that first kit that I took that didn't work. And, then, yep. <laughs> and, um, and here I am almost, gosh, many years later. Mm-hmm. So that's, wow. that's, that's my, that's my adoption journey. Did your brother, the one that you were just talking about, did he know you were adopted? No, uh, my brothers, um, my cousins, um, no one knew, none of my cousin, my first cousins and my brothers knew my aunts and uncles knew, but you know, no one on my generation mm-hmm. level, um, when I was told I was adopted, I was given the adoption agency information. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, 
I'm not adopted, but these people clearly miss this little girl they're talking about. So I'm going to help them find her. And they gave me the adoption agency information in addition to a newborn picture of myself. And Mm. that's when I was completely taken aback. I started thinking, I was living in California at the time. I'm from the East Coast, from the DC area. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, I've never seen a newborn picture of myself. I was told mm. that they didn't do that back then, right. <laughs> um, but yet my 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 middle brother, we're only two years apart, and at the time I owned my own photography studio, and one of the things I did was take newborn photos. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, technology is not that slow, right? <laughs> right. I remember calling the adoption agency, and the case manager kind of chuckled to herself. She said, I was wondering when you were going to call me. And, um, or if, if I ever was going to call and I'm thinking, wow, these are some pretty sophisticated scammers, like, you know, what's going on. And so, um, I explained to her what was going on, had this information. And I said, I was wondering if you could confirm anything for me. She said, she'd call me back in about a couple of hours. I said, of course, you're going to call me back in a couple of hours to get your story together. I was like, they are on to me. They don't know that I'm on to them. Right. (laughs) Um, But I remember asking, you know, how long has this adoption agency been around? And she said it was like the late 1800s. And I'm like, oh, wow. was not expecting that. They're kind of smart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, here I am the whole time thinking I'm like inspector gadget and I'm on this. And, um, and I wasn't. And so when they called me back and they confirmed uh, the information and told me that I was adopted, I was just in complete shock. And then I was told I was adopted. I believe it was May. And I really started to panic. And I said, wait, May, is that my birth date? Because I was told I was born in March. I'm a proud Piscean and I really don't want to be a Taurus. And so um, she says, no, March is your birthday, but you were in foster care. And I was even more floored. And I, I just, I was so confused. And then I asked my birth parents' name. And when they gave me my birth father's name, whose last name is Marenstein, I said, Marenstein? Wait, that's a, isn't that a Jewish name? And she says, well, yes, it is. Um, Janine, your birth father is white. And I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, both of my parents are African-American. My father is fair. Almost everybody on his side of the family is really fair. I kind of look like them. And she's like, your parents, um, your birth mother is black and your birth father is, is mixed race. So in 24 hours, I find out that I'm adopted in foster care and mixed race. Wow. I felt as though everything that I knew about my foundation was fake. And, mm. um, and I emotionally crumbled for a quick second. And then somehow I felt strong. I think because I had not known, I thought I was living my life at 100%. And I realized I wasn't because one little piece was missing. And I, even though I was shocked, I felt stronger I'm really dating myself here. Stronger, faster, like the $6 million man. <laughs> right. 
And I, I called my husband, told him what was going on. And, and then he encouraged me to call my mom and to be very matter of fact. And so I called her and I was, I was like, Hey mom, how are you? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. What's up buttercup. And I was like, Oh boy, she's calling me buttercup right now. I don't know what she's going to say after this. <laughs> and, um, I told her, you know, I was told today that I was adopted and was wondering if you could confirm that or not, because I still didn't really believe it until I heard it from my mom. Right. Yeah. And when she told me that, well, first she said, who told you that? And I told her the Children's Society of Princeton, New Jersey. And that's when she went into the whole, oh, what had happened was. And that's when I broke down mm -hmm. and I cried. And it wasn't because I was adopted. It wasn't because I was mixed race. I wasn't because I was in foster care. It was more because I knew nothing about my birth story or I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, and here I am now. Wow. I mean, did you ask why it was kept a secret for so long? Uh, you know, it's funny when the adoption agent or case manager told me about my adoption, I said, you know what? I already know what happened. Mm. My mother was probably told she couldn't get pregnant. And then she, they adopted me and then, um, adopted more kids. Right. And so, um, that's exactly what happened. My, except my mother was told she couldn't get pregnant. They had just moved to New Jersey. They really wanted to share their lives with a baby. My parents, because there weren't computers back then, they found me in a newspaper article. Wow. Um, the adoption agency had put an ad out for black and mixed race babies because it was really hard to find homes for them. And unfortunately, it is still really hard for black children, babies with two black parents to find a home. And I joke when I say this part, um, and, you know, I'm not trying to insult anybody who's listening, but I say that mixed race babies are trending right now. Mm. In fact, I believe that we are one of the most expensive babies, um, you know, today. But um, so my parents found me in a newspaper article and they and um, then after my mom and dad adopt me, my mom becomes pregnant with my brothers. Mm. So when I asked, when I started talking to my mom about my adoption and I said, so that means um, Jermaine and Jamar adopted too, right? And she goes, oh, you know, um, you know how we used to call you Lucky Charm? I said, yeah. She's like, well, it's because I got pregnant after. And I felt even more crushed because my brothers and I, this bond that we have, we still have the bond, but it's, it's just a little different now. It, it's the same, but the story is different. It's again, it's for me, I was 46 at the time when I found out. So it was all about the story. Mm -hmm. So yes, she told me they didn't want me to know because um, they didn't want me to feel like I was being treated differently than my brothers. And I said, but I was actually, I felt like I was treated better than my, than my brothers. And, you know, I laugh and joke about that now, but um, yeah, that, that is, that is why. Hmm. Had they talked about at some point, you know, once you're an adult, like, you know, or was, but then was it like, Oh boy, we've kept this secret for so long. We can't 
we can't tell her now. They've thought about it numerous times in telling me. And my mom said they've just, it just never seemed to be the right time. And, you know, I actually know families who have children who are adopted who, and the children don't know. Hmm. And they just can't find that right time. Or I know um, a families who have children who came into this world in a quote unquote non-traditional way. Um, or, you know, my friend got pregnant um, before she met her, her boyfriend, who's now her husband. And so they were just going to say, all right, he's, he's the dad. And so um, I hear a lot, there's just not the right time. And I remember when I found out, I had my friends come to me and they were like, oh my gosh, Janine, I don't know what to do. What, what should I do? It's just not a right time. And I said, you have to remember, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. That it's about your children. You have to take you out of it and your insecurities and your experiences and your ideals out and make it about the child. And I've also said the longer you wait, the more damage there's going to be. Because I then hear, well, I don't want my child to leave me. I was like, well, as the years go by, you have a greater chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had trust issues my whole life. Mm-hmm. And now I understand why. And it was because of this secret, this underlying secret or thread throughout my whole life. Hmm. And, um, and now I've been in therapy for about, mm, I think, four and a half years now. Every Wednesday, I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm driving, I pull over on the side of the road and I'm not joking. I you know, go to therapy to work on that and understanding uh, uh, trust and helping me to open to that a lot more. So, but I have a wonderful relationship with my mom um, now. In fact, it's so much better than it was before. She just, when I look at her now, she seems so golden and so happy. Mm. I I, I compare it to um, someone being very proper to Thanksgiving dinner and they ate way too much food. And I gave my mom the permission to unloosen her belt and and her zipper. And now she can breathe. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, what a what a weight to be lifted from her, you know, after yeah. that many years. Absolutely. Um, and I'm really sad that my father um, wasn't here to see the manifestation of the book and my story and how I'm still here, I, that I didn't leave them. I, I, you know, that I'm OK, because I have family members that are adopted and, be, and it's because they were inspired by what my mom and dad did. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that they had seen that as um, something positive and not something um, negative. Right. Have you connected with any of your biological family? Yep, I have. Um, I met that later that year. I asked, I reached out to both of my birth parents who are not together and I asked them if they could fly to California to meet me. And I said that I know that I'm asking a lot. But um, I, I really want to do this. And um, I said, I, I, I wanted to create my birth story um, or at least my second birth story in my meetup with them. And I, I hired a film person and a photographer and uh, I got a gallery space in Santa Monica that was blank wall and they came in and I met them. And it was 
strange to me that I see these two people that are looking at me or calling me their daughter. And to get through that, I was pretending that I was a talk show host saying, all right, they think that I'm their daughter. I'm just going to let them rule with that. And I unlocked a lot of um, secrets for them. You know, there was a lot of misunderstanding around my birth. My birth father never got to see me. He was, I think he was 16 years old and hitchhiked to the hospital. My birth mom said um, that back then, if you said adoption, they whisked the baby away immediately. So she never got to see me. Again, she was in high school. I think she was 17. So then there were some secrets or mixed stories. So I answered a lot of questions for them. They are, especially my birth father, is quite active in in my life. I met his kids, my siblings, the one who gave me the information, um, Mm. my cousins. I have a maternal grandmother who will be turning 103. Oh, wow. Actually, yes. um, I got to meet my birth, my paternal grandmother um, as she was dying. And I Mm. found out that she snuck off in the middle of the night when I was born to hold me. Oh, wow. And so there I I was, and I'm trying not to get too dramatic, but there I was holding her as she was passing. I'll be honest. When I talk about this, it feels like I'm talking about some really cool TV show and not my life because this is so Janine, my my dear friend um, says, I I say this way too much, but I mean, just goosebumps are just full. I mean, I'm covered in goosebumps right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. One thing I do want to say really quickly um, that my husband found really interesting is the nature versus nurture. Everything that my birth parents are from talents to occupations, I've either done or am currently doing. I was a classically trained pianist. My paternal father was a classically trained pianist. And taught lessons. His parents were also, did a lot of activism. I do art and activism. My birth father worked as an arts administrator for a while. I was an arts administrator. I'm the only one in my family that can sing and have perfect pitch. My birth mother is a Grammy Award winning singer and was a back ground singer um, for Bon Jovi and traveled the world with him. She, she's a jazz musician. Wow. And her, her, let me rewind on that one. Her Grammy award was for singing on, on Bon Jovi's album as a backup singer. Wow. And so, um, and there were other really strange things. Like my parents used to be a part of this club that would go up to the Cape May jazz festival every year. They don't know my birth parents. They never, cause it was a sealed adoption. Right. Well, my birth mother was an opener for the Cape May Jazz Festival. So my parents heard my birth mother sing. Neither of them knew who each other were. Right. So wow. it's these really strange yeah. coincidences. Yeah. So, That's so yeah. Cool. When you brought your birth parents together, how long it had been since they had seen each other? I think I think they said it would have been like 12 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they've seen each other. So my, my birth mother's mother helped raise my birth father. They live in a really tiny town. So during the day, he would go over to their house. 
and hang out with them. His parents were, I guess you could say, were kind of like um, very bohemian beatniks. And they had a very free lifestyle. And so her family provided him a lot of stability. Her family basically raised him, gave him his first job, spent the summer together. So they saw each other throughout the years because he would visit her for her birthdays and other family holidays there. I think my birth mother has 10 siblings. Wow. So, you know, they, they, they kind of grew up as a family. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And so, oh, what I was saying about nature versus nurture was that my parents, the Jacksons, they saw all of these talents that I had. And they nurtured them. They knew I could sing. They knew I could paint. They knew I could draw. They knew I was musically inclined. And they fostered that. And little did they know that these were the talents that were given by my birth parents. I've definitely learned a huge lesson or understanding about nature and and nurture. Mm -hmm. It was so strange. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that pretty often on the podcast. And I love it because I I can see now that I know my birth family, I can see things that I never expected, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And it's, but, you know, when I think about my upbringing with my adoptive parents, I just joke with Corey all the time. I like, I'll just quote my, you know, adoptive father constantly. You know what I mean? Like their Uh. influence is undeniable. You know, I definitely feel like, I've grown to be more like my adoptive parents than my birth parents, but I think that's just, you know, your environment, right? Is part of your healing journey, is that what inspired the book? Definitely, Uh, definitely. Um, You know, it had been six months since when I, after I found out I was adopted, um, I waited six months to tell my kids. I wanted to wait longer, but just like my parents, um, it seemed like no time was ever the right time. But I Mm -hmm. said, I'm not going to do that to them. And I was having these secret conversations with my birth parents, leaving the room. My kids were a lot smaller at the time. And I didn't feel right about that. Mm -hmm. So I decided to tell my kids. And my oldest, who was in fifth grade at the time, so he was either 10 or 11, he actually was very angry. And I think it's because, well, I know what it's because, because I, I actually recorded his reaction. At the time, we had um, number 45 in the White House. And so our world was in a lot of chaos. And my son had been born and only known number 44 his whole life. And so now that he knew that we were biologically related to white people, he wanted to know why we were related to a group of people who hated us so much. And that really shocked me because that is not the reaction I was, I was expecting from him. And I had to talk to him about the complexities of race and people and that love loves no color. Um, There are black people that don't like black people and Hispanics and whites and Asians and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. And same with white people. And I had to quickly come up with an idea. And I said, you know, you need to understand that not only are we related to white people, I said, but we are related to a special group of white people, Jews. Mm -hmm. I said, just like 
Black American slaves and Jews, I said, the struggles that we went through were tremendous. And um, I'm trying not to get teary. <laughs> I said, but we are the hopes and dreams and the prayer of, of two beautiful groups of people. So that as we move forward in life, we hold our heads up high because we should never be ashamed of who we are. We are loved, we are wanted, and we are from great people. Hmm. So that was tough for me because that's part of my journey that I didn't think I'd even have to deal with, right? Right, right. And then my youngest, I really wish I had recorded this one. And he's the one that, his name is Phoenix, and he inspired this story. I remember he was five years old, picking him up after school. And I said, I have something to tell you. Do you know what adoption is? And he's like, yeah, like a, adopting a puppy? We're, we're going to adopt a puppy? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I started explaining. <laughs> What'd you say? Good try. <laughs> I know. Right? And I said, um, no. And I explained adoption to him. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a school unit on adoption, different types of families. And I explained to him that I'm part of a different type of family. And I started explaining this to him. And he just kept saying, what the heck? What the heck? Who's mommy? Who's daddy? What's happening? I don't understand. And then I said, and then, you know how you're always asking me or daddy, why my skin is so light, but I'm still called an African-American? And he's like, yes. And I said, well, that's because mommy's birth father is white. And he's like, what the heck? Hold <laughs> up, mama. This is really confusing. I said, I know. If it's confusing for you, then you can imagine what it's like for me. And he's like, mommy, I don't understand. Because he started asking me. Now, my son is very brown. And he said, well, then that means I'm white too, right? And I'm like, well, no, um, but he's, but you're saying that my birth father is, my birth grandfather is white. And I'm like, yes. And I, I was frustrated. Again, another hiccup or another obstacle in my story. I look over in the distance and his class, he was in kindergarten. They had a kindergarten. And I saw these two tomatoes, a yellow one and a red one hanging on a vine with a really tiny tomato that had fallen on the ground. And I said, mommy's like the tomato family. And I said, my birth father is the yellow tomato. My birth mother is the red one, just like the rest of the red tomatoes, which are like Grammy and Papa. And that little tiny one at the bottom is me. And with the help of a really trusty ladybug, who's the adoption agent, she's going to help her find a forever home. And he goes, oh, I said, we're all tomatoes, but we just look a little different. And I and so when he wasn't looking, I took the tomato and I threw it over to the vine, other vine. And when he came back the next day, he goes, mommy, that tomato is just like you. It got adopted. And I'm like boohooing. And I was like, yes, yes. And then the pandemic hits. We're sitting in our stuff. And something inside me said, you should write this story for Tyson and Phoenix. This would be something really great to leave for them and your great grandkids and so on and so forth. And I just started, I started writing. And I am fast forwarding. And now I have this book. So yeah. this book is, 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 um, very similar or almost identical to the story I told Phoenix so that he could understand the complexities of race and color and differences and adoption. 
Wow. Talk about art imitating life. (laughs) That's fantastic. Wow. Well, I want, we're going to mention Brittany's name as the person who did the illustrations, which are fantastic. That's so cool. Wow. I mean, what a a remarkable story. This is, you know. Yeah. Thank you. We know that you write, but you've mentioned kind of at the beginning that uh, you're not used to telling your story very much, but you're a natural at it. So I encourage <laughs> you to uh, to consider, you know, doing more of it. Yeah. You know, talking about being pushed out of your comfort zone, never in a million years did I think that spitting in a tube would cause, you know, right. all of that. And, and in my blog, I talk about chain reactions. You know, one action creates such a huge train reaction because i'll be honest if my father was still alive i still don't believe i would know that i was adopted wow yeah my mother told me she was gonna tell me but when she got really 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 sick and i said what and then flatline and then leave me yeah exactly come on (laughs) and i'm i'm such a nerd and i said i said even luke skywalker's Dad, the darkest lord in all the universe, told him who his father is. And she said, what? I was like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, if Darth Vader can do it, then you can do it. Exactly. This journey has really forced me to be uh, go out of my comfort zone. I've always proclaimed I'm not a writer. I'm not a verbal communicator. I love communicating through images and pictures. I'm deeply insecure. I'm unsure about the decisions that I'm making in my life. Why do I always feel like I'm off? Well, it's because of my insecurities and my inability to speak or write. Once I found out that I was adopted and I learned about my birth parents and and as I was saying, that one piece of brick was added to my life, I was like, you know what? It's like putting pushing the, the restart button. I was like, I can do and be anything that I want. And I'm not odd. I'm not weird. I actually am a writer. I am more than a visual communicator. I will say, speaking of visually communicating, I art directed my whole book. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> but, That's um, amazing. I was like, I got this. But I have to also give myself a lot of grace. Next month, I will be 52. I want to move faster, but mm-hmm. I'm only, I'm still a toddler in this whole journey. And so I have to give myself a lot of grace. That's what I'm le- working on a lot. Trust and grace. When I thought I was about to get ready for retirement and those things, I'm like, nope, not really. Yeah. I got a lot more to do. Yeah. 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 Well, you're right. I think when I, because there's a theme with 2017, that's when I found my birth family as well. And I was 47. You know, it's one of those things like I felt like I knew myself before that. And then you really start rethinking, not everything, you know, but, but it just, it does, it opens different possibilities for yourself. Yes. And, um, just getting to know my family, it's like, oh, you know, when I'm now with my local half brother and I see like similarities between us, it's just fantastic. It's something as somebody who always knew he was adopted, I never expected to ever have, you know, right. um, I wasn't raised with 
siblings uh, of any kind. And so until, you know, I was a teenager, my father married my stepmother and I got a stepsister, but I mean, that was so blatantly obvious that she and I didn't need to be similar Um, (laughs) and weren't in any stretch of the imagination. But there is something that's just magical about finding your biological family and, you know, getting to know them. And it's been amazing for, for me. So. Right. You know, I always wondered what it would be like to know um, that I was adopted the whole time. And I try not to, to ponder on that thought too long because I'll never know what it's like. Mm -hmm. I've had friends that were adopted and I know what it was like for them. And I'll be honest, a lot of the friends that I do know who knew they were adopted, their stories aren't really, um, they're, they're not like mine. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have a relationship with their birth parents or they might have relationship with one or the birth or one of the birth parents doesn't want to ever see the child or um, the siblings think that, you know, the, that that person wants to take something from that family. Mm-hmm. And um, my birth father's family celebrated my birthday every year. Oh, And so I am like, wow, that actually was a bit overwhelming to know that a group of people that I didn't even know existed was celebrating me at the time as each year was going by for me in my teenage years, I'm thinking, oh, what is life? You know, (laughs) I'm so I'm older, but yet a group of people were cheering me on and hoping they knew about me. So that part is very strange to me. And I've had a hard time and still a little bit having a hard time accepting all of these people in my life because I do feel as though um, I don't want the rest of my family to think that I'm rejecting them. Right. 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 And because it was a secret, like all of my aunts and uncles, they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy, you know, now it wasn't. It wasn't our duty to tell you. We made a promise to your parents. We begged them to tell you, but mm. it wasn't our story. And so mine is is shrouded in a lot of confusion, mystery, and, and oddity, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Because my dad isn't here anymore, Mr. Jackson, you know, building a relationship with my birth father is a bit tough for me because it makes me feel as though I'm erasing the memory of my dad, which I know I'm not but it is a feeling that I can't, I'm having a hard time pushing away. In addition to that, my birth father is a polar opposite of my dad. My dad was this big, round, burly guy, big gym, big things, big life. My birth father, Sam, is a six foot something, really thin, 125 pound, kind of Appalachia country kind of guy who's very quirky and creative. And I literally am like, I cannot comprehend. I do not understand. And so, and I love my brothers and Jermaine and Jamar so much. The three of us found different things about each other that looked similar. And that's how we figured we fit in. And now I see my birth brother, David, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of look like David. This is weird. (laughs) Or my birth mom, all of the I believe all of the cousins are mixed race, like one white parent and then a a black parent. And I look like all of my cousins. I go from not looking like anyone to everyone. And it's hard for me. It's exciting, but also hard for me to 
kind of retrain my brain and learn and accept that. But I am so abundantly blessed that both of my birth parents want me in their lives. The cousins want me in their lives. The grandparents want me in their lives. And they are all allowing me the space to navigate in a way that I want, which is Mm. even better. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Wow. This is just a remarkable story. We really appreciate your candor and and openness, you know, for sharing that. Um, It's, it's important, you know, that people, uh, seek therapy when they, when things like this happen, because it's life-changing and you, you gotta, gotta start healing. It is. It is. I didn't want to go to therapy at all. My first, I, I don't remember a year, maybe a couple months. I didn't want to go. I, cause I didn't want to feel anything anymore. It hurt mm-hmm. the betrayal, the confusion, these people who are longing for me, it was way too much. But then I started developing uh, disorders. I, I developed an eating disorder where mm-hmm. I was sleep eating I was getting sick all of the time. I was starting to get things like hand, foot, and mouth as an adult, right? These toddler diseases and and ailments. I got shingles all over my face. Um, I gained an astronomical amount of weight. I gained like, I think it was 20 pounds in like two months. It used to take me a long time to gain weight, right? And I remember talking to my doctor and he was like, what is going on with you? We're running all these tests and, you know, we can't understand why you keep getting sick like this. And your cortisone levels are really, really high. That's why I kept getting sick. And so then I I told him about my story and he says, Janine, there's nothing we can give you to make you feel better. You have to stop taking the medication. He's like, you're getting sick because the stress is breaking your body down. And then I started crumbling and crying, right? And so I went into, I didn't even know this existed at the time. I went to triage therapy. It's like PTSD therapy for three months. And you stay for three months um, until they could kind of get me even, until I could stop being sick. And, um, And then after I finished doing that mental therapy, I was able to find a therapist She's a family therapist, but she also has an adoption arm because she adopted. And so I love her to death. In fact, I've asked her multiple times, like, could you adopt me, please? (laughs) Can you please adopt me even as an adult? (laughs) And she won't. (laughs) That has kept me, just just kind of helped me sort things out in my life and with relationships and setting boundaries and learning, understanding my feelings. She's even helped me. There are days where I'm like, I'm not saying a word to you. I'm not saying anything to you. And I hold up words to the camera, you know, to talk to her. And she's like, you can write all you want, but you know, you're healing that way too. And then I'm like, right, forget you. And then, you know, I hold it up and she re- she's amazing. And I strongly recommend um, therapy, whether you believe in it or not. Because I always say, you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You're losing already. So why don't you just give it a try? Right. So um, yes, yes, yes. Therapy, therapy, therapy. Mm. Wonderful. Well, Thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. And, and we're going to do all we can to uh, let people know about the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to give the name again. Hello, Sweet Baby, an adoption yeah. journey by me, Janine Jackson, and my amazing illustrator, Brittany Gaja. One thing I do want to tell people that when they re- before reading the book, 
please read the author note. Do not go jumping right into the story because I got some reviews where people were like, I don't like the language she used. I don't hmm. like the fact that she's saying she'll never fit in. You should never use those words when adopting. But if they read the, the author's note, it explains why I use that language and that this is an interpretation of my journey and that I do understand that everybody's adoption journey is different. And, um, and then on the last page, I have things to consider. So it mm -hmm. helps break the ice to people and my friends, if they are listening, on how they can talk to their children about how their child came into their life. Mm -hmm. So I really hope, I really strongly recommend that they read those two sections. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Wonderful. Very good. All right. Well, thanks again. We really, Thank this has you. been great. We want to check back in with you and see how, yeah. you know, how the, uh, the book progresses. I just finished book two. Cool. Um, and that story is about hello, sweet baby. She becomes a sister. Oh, and what does that mean? And why? Cause in this book on the last page, um, spoiler alert, in, you know, <laughs> so the vine of the family that adopts Hello Sweet Baby, there's a flower that appears. Well, that's her brother, Jermaine, that's coming into the picture. And so book two is about why is everybody making this big deal? Because she was on that vine, too. And that's when her parents tell her she was adopted. Hello Sweet Baby part two is hopefully will be coming out, hopefully in the fall or spring of next year. Very cool. Awesome. Very awesome. Cool. Well, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Definitely keep us in the loop. Yeah. Definitely. Very good. Well, thanks again, Janine, and uh, have a good afternoon. Thank you. My pleasure. Ooh, I'm still trying to process everything we heard today. Janine's story is a vivid testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the boundless capacity for growth and healing. It's incredible to think about the twists and turns life can throw at us, and yet here's Janine, standing strong, embracing her truth, and forging new connections that have reshaped her understanding of who she is. To Janine, thank you for opening your heart and sharing your journey with us. Your story is a profound reminder of the intricate tapestries that make up our identities and the beauty of embracing every thread, every color, every twist and turn. To our listeners, thank you for joining us on this emotional and enlightening journey. Remember, it's the stories we share that connect us, that help us grow, and that remind us we're never alone in our search for belonging. The Family Twist podcast features original music by Cosmic Afterthoughts and is presented by Savoir Faire Marketing and Communications.